and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. I honestly thought it was one of the best practices I'd ever seen Mitch Trubisky have in training camp before that moment. And from the Athletic, it's Adam Johns. I feel like that mistake by Trubisky is worthy of shifting your meter. And Foles wasn't that impressive today. Now, here they are. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in an off day in uh, what was a busy week of training camp for the Chicago Bears. A good opportunity for us to kind of regroup, pause, and uh, zoom out, look at some things from camp. Hogan Johns with you. What's going on, Johnsy? Good to be here. It's Quite steamy outside here in Chicagoland. It's going to be steamy this week, um, but at least for one day, we don't have to be out there watching practice in 95-degree heat with some humidity. It is sticky out there, my friend. Well, we actually had a pretty good first week, I thought, of weather-wise. Yeah, quite uh, mild. This week might feel a little bit more like the old afternoon practices that Lovey Smith had in Bourbonnais, because it does look like it's going to be hot. But um, you guys did not come to this podcast for weather reports. The last I checked. Uh, welcome in. Kevin Fishbane's here too, at KFishbane on Twitter. Kev, any uh, weather thoughts? I was starting to wonder if you guys would have rather had Tom Skilling than me, if this is uh, the way we're going to start the pod. Well, well yes. Right, Tom, I mean, Always, actually, but yeah. <laughs> that's fair. I, I would rather listen to Tom Skilling than me, frankly. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's... Uh, you know, we, we, I was looking last week for different things that made me really feel like it was training camp. And I think now that we're getting into those like 80, 90 degrees, we're just going to be staying around looking through our binoculars of plays happening 60 yards away from us. It's going to feel like training camp, my friends. Yeah, maybe they'll move back to the closer field for us tomorrow. I do think they alternate fields for a reason, but I don't know. Welcome in. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, at K Fishbane. We're all here for you today. And we have a scrimmage to discuss. It was kind of a scrimmage. We'll, uh, we'll, well, we haven't discussed it yet. It happened Saturday. Um, John's had such an important golf outing that he he told Kevin that Kevin was not allowed to have his, uh, or I should say Kevin's wife could not have their child on Saturday <laughs> yeah, because this I did. golf this is outing true. was so important that no matter what happened, they had to put the birth of a human on hold. 100% accurate there. Uh, I did do that, and it worked out. You know, everything turned up at him. We, we, my, my scramble group, we were uh, seven under. So we played quite well. That's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, that my short game was working. Really happy with my short game. You know, the type of performance where you have where you just want to get back out there. It's how we feel about the golf game right now. Hogue was preparing a short game joke. Uh, I was actually preparing a short person joke, but... Yeah, that's what I was, yeah, <laughs> alluded to. I'm 5'9", not like 5'3". <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what happened at the scrimmage? <laughs> well, before we get to that, uh, we do need to mark uh, a big milestone in this pod, I don't, I don't know if it's a milestone, but it's something that this podcast has been looking forward to for a very, very long time and hoping for, and that is the return, the much-anticipated return of one Carlos Santos, because he's such a big part of this podcast, and I don't think he's actually a real kicker, but... <laughs> Um, Cairo, probably, a, probably a real person out there somewhere. Yeah, Carlos Santos is somewhere out there. He has never been nor will be a Bears kicker. However, Cairo Santos is a Bear again, guys. Well, Matt Nagy, people are going to be like, oh, kicking derby, kicking competition, it's back. What's going on with Eddie Pinero? He's got a, a little groin. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> a little bit of a groin. That's what he said. That's his exact words. I feel bad for uh, Eddie in that respect, but um, he's dealing with a groin injury, a little bit of a groin injury. Um, he would have kicked if it was full go. That's what Nagy seemed to indicate. But with the, the condensed camp, 80-man rosters, extended practice squads, expanded practice squads, I should say, I guess it kind of makes sense to bring in a guy like Carlos Santos to, to, to I don't know, help out contingency plans. Yeah, I, I got to give you guys some credit here because, you know, I don't love to boost your egos, but the amount of people whose immediate response on uh, this weekend was Carlos Santos and then tagging both of you in their tweets um, and credit to John Fox for giving us <laughs> yes, the, yes, the yes. Freudian slip in the first place. I actually went back to try to find the day that he said that, and I think I found it. In, in which John Fox said, I'm familiar with him because of four years when I was in Denver, he was in Kansas City. And I wrote editor's note, Santos and Fox actually only overlap for one season um, together. But wow. either way, um, that, uh, yeah, you know, Bears need a kicker. Might as well just have the kicker that Matt Nagy's most familiar with. And uh, we get to hit, hit the Carlos Santos button all, all until he's cut. What does this, I, I just... Eddie, oh, it, this is just because Eddie Pinheiro has a little bit of a groin, right? No, no. Well, Matt Nagy didn't make it sound that way, but we'll see. It makes sense. Did it make like Pat Finley in, in one of his quadruple questions to Matt Nagy one time ask like, "Don't you need like an extra long snapper around in that practice squad just in case?" But that, but that's what I'm saying. So like Nagy tried to say that this had something to do with, you know, back contingency plans. That's what he kept using. But it's not a coincidence. A week ago, that a week ago they cut a kicker because they didn't have enough roster spots. Now, now he's got a groin and and a little bit of a groin, and they bring in the other guy. Yeah, I mean Carlos. they could always they could always sign. I I think it's time to start calling him Cairo Santos. Oh. We've been, we've called him Carlos. Now that he's back on the team, we have to call him by his real name. Now he's got a job. I I I I imagine if they wanted to stash Cairo Santos in the practice squad. They could have signed him in three weeks, but I, I think, yeah, I think they need someone to kick, and right now he's got a little bit of a groin. I will say this. Pinheiro has been out there, though. Every practice. Now, we haven't seen him kick yet. We haven't seen Pedro Donald punt any balls either. I don't think I've really even seen Patrick Scales long snap in a long time, but they are present. It's not like he's off on the side riding a bike. I take that for what it's worth, I guess, but... He's not like off inside with the trainers like in Akeem Hicks or an Al Robinson have been, you know, recently. He is around. He is visible. It's something. I will say this: if we, if I show up <laughs> at practice, <laughs> if we show up to practice on Tuesday at House Hall, and there is some Augusta silence and a little mano y mano, I will be so excited. I would be too for the kicking competition to return to Chicago. I just don't think that's what this is. No, I don't think so either. I think the kicker's hurt, and they need to bring in a backup plan just in case. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've openly talked about how they think Eddie Pinheiro can improve, right? He got stronger, all these things. Um, unless he's doing other kicking – it's very possible they're doing kicking sessions off to the side or something like that, and he's struggling. We just – we haven't seen it. Um did, guys, Cairo Santos hasn't been able to hold on to a job. He was four for nine last year. Didn't he miss four kicks in that one Titans game? Which is not as not as bad as hitting the post four times in one game. But he is a bear now, so you never know. Is Kari Vedvik still available? Remember that? Bruhaha he, from last year? He, yeah. He is now on his, I think, fourth team since... The Vikings acquired him from the Ravens in a trade. You guys remember how angry Bears fans were that Ryan Pace did not trade for Kari, Kari Vedvik? Then he's yes. attempted one field goal. One. The, he's on the Bills now, right? Is that the team that claimed him? Or that the Bills cut him. Okay. I think Carolina claimed him. And last year, after the Vikings cut him, the Jets picked him up where he got to attempt one field goal. Then he went to the Bills. Wait, and wow, Carolina getting, has Carolina has that other kicker that everybody likes, Joey Sly. So now they got them both. Sounds like neither one of them's that good. 
Maybe the Bears are right to have Eddie Pinheiro. Maybe. I guess we'll find out. He's still got a lot to prove. Are you guys worried about this? Like, there's a game in less than three weeks. Well, kind of, because we haven't seen them kick. I feel like you usually see them. Like, you know, specialists, like, they disappear from portions of practice and do their own thing. We all understand that. But, like, we haven't seen him kick a ball. And I'm a little more concerned they still don't have a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. But what if, what if like, we were a week into practice and we hadn't seen a quarterback throw a pass? Then what are we watching, yeah. the triple option? Well, <laughs> well I, my point to... is the kicker hasn't kicked a kick all week. I'm trying to remember what Robbie would do at practice back when he was established. Oh, but he, he he would set up his own little uh, teeth. Yeah. Yeah, he would always be kicking, always. It's a mystery. Listen, you guys know I love my little app, Time Hop, that tells me what I tweeted, you know, one, two, three, whatever years ago. Mm-hmm. And as I've been looking back at last year, every day, Elliot Fry. Eddie Pinheiro, Joey Sly. I mean, we were at Kari Vedvik. We are looking at the Packers kicking battle, the Browns kicking battle. We were consumed with it. Yeah. Well, Now we're consumed with Mitch versus Nick. I don't know. It certainly sounds like we're consumed with Carlos Santos. I think being consumed with the quarterback position is a little bit more defendable than the uh, kicker position, and maybe we missed some things last year. Uh, speaking of which, I, I wanna, we should address something. John Z, because uh, I don't even think you were aware of this, but we were... Uh, I'm not. We were a topic of conversation a lot last week. Um, well, you guys heard on our podcast the questioning to Nagy that we uh, played on our last episode where I asked about something good Mitch had done and then you followed up with something bad he had done and then it turned into a huge controversy about how Mitch ran out of bounds. Um which he shouldn't do, but has also been his worst mistake at camp so far, which is maybe a good thing. I don't know. Anyway, I got uh, in the car that day after that podcast. Johns and I was I was driving down to do a baseball night in Chicago for NBC Sports Chicago, and uh, heard uh, Waddle and Sylvie. There was they lot. There was uh, a lot of replaying of that questioning, and I don't know, critical of that questioning. I don't know. Things got weirder the next day, though, when uh, Dan Weeder, our, our buddy Dan, was on the radio because, and we had actually talked about this earlier in the day of practice, which is why I was having fun with it. But he brought up uh, what I had written about Mitch's practice, but he didn't mention my name. So I playfully tweeted at him and Tom Waddle, say my name, or it's okay to say my name, which then he did, and then it turned into this this whole thing. That's not actually what I want to address. What I want to address, though, is actually somehow this is getting painted as there is a uh, divide in the media over what we're seeing at practice. And the, the funny thing is, is I talked to Dan about this the following day. I don't think there is a divide at all over what we're seeing. There may be a divide in who people think should start week one or will think. I think there definitely is. Some people think it's going to be Mitch. Some people think it's going to be Nick. Some people think it should be Nick. Some people think it, whatever. In terms of what we actually witnessed in the first week at camp, I think every single one of us that has been out there agree that it's essentially neck and neck. Neither quarterback has looked great. Neither quarterback has looked awful. And if you had to pick between the two, Mitch probably has a slight lead. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah, absolutely fair. Mitch has been the better quarterback. Completion percentage is better. Uh, it seems to be getting the ball out faster than Nick Foles. I, I think with some people's, you know, they're just done with Mitch, and that's fine. The Bears aren't done with him, so we have to watch Mitch. And that's a great way. Mitch. That's a great way to put it, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we're seeing. Um, I think some people are just ready to give the job to Nick Foles just because. But let me tell you, from watching all of his practices, but you know the scrimmage, which I guess was a lot of under center run game stuff, he has not been impressive whatsoever. Like I'm, I'm still waiting. We talked about this the last podcast. I'm still waiting to be like, oh, there's your starting quarterback. That's what we've been waiting to see. But until then. 
Mitch has been the better quarterback. That's just my opinion. You know, you can ter- interpret it any way you want, but you know, in terms of the eye test and even asking the coaches, you know, the, it's not like Nick Foles is really coming out of here and, and you know blowing Mitch out of the water. It's not happening. Yeah, I, I was looking forward to that Saturday scrimmage. That um, this was a um, when Adam Johns was golfing to see, you know, oh! if uh, if there would be some kind of separation, and I didn't see it. And Hogue, you were we were we were there. We cross checked our stats that we're not allowed to tweet or say, but um, they were very similar in terms of completion percentage. I thought Mitch Trubisky had the best throw of the day. Uh, you know, just a just a laser to Jesper Horstead that seemed like a kind of anticipation, like he knew Horstead was going to be at the spot and was going to turn and be ready for the ball when it came to him. I thought Trubisky also had the, probably two of the worst throws of the day. We, we didn't get a great view of Nick Foles' interception that Eddie Jackson picked off. Um, you know, Matt Nagy kind of said he got pressured, probably affected the throw. Um, I thought so. I thought Foles was slightly more consistent on the afternoon, and this was the, the most extensive period we saw. But I walked out of there thinking, I don't think either of these guys is you know, looking that great. And, and somebody commented, said, well, wait a second. The Bears quarterback doesn't need to be great. He just has to be average, got to be a game manager. And I agree with that for games. But you guys know what it's like watching training camp. These practices are built for the offense to light it up. There's, there's not much of a pass rush. The corners aren't playing a whole lot of press. I know this is a great defense, but I'm still like, I think it's okay to expect one of these guys to have a practice where they're like 12 for 13. I think it's allowed to, to, to have an expectation that high when these practices are kind of designed for a pretty easy pitch and catch. Well, that goes back to like almost your Augusta silence point. Like for us, since we're talking about the media and our coverage of it, I almost want something that, call it jarring in a sense, whether it's good or bad. Like you want, again, maybe that guy to have that 12 for 13 day where he throws a couple touchdowns and some of them are are just beautiful throws. Or you want that three interception day where the guy is just awful. Can't read a defense, looks flustered, a lot of confusing things going on. Like that would change the conversation about this. But you're right. Like going back to Adam's point, like a lot of times they're just neck and neck in this. Look very similar. Um, maybe Nick Foles is holding the ball on, again, a little bit longer than, than Trubisky, but neither of them has distinguished themselves in this competition. They're not making it easy for the Bears right now. You know, and this gets kind of back to – it kind of goes back to this conversation with the coverage. I mean, Kevin, that's the one. That's the thing. Thursday, I think some people thought I was a little hyperbolic, but what you just said about how you think – you know, these practices are designed for the offense to win. Complete passes. There should be a day where quarterback goes almost perfect. That's what Mitch did that day. That Thursday, we're talking about Thursday's practice. He, I think I had him down for one incompletion the entire practice. He, that's why I said it's one of his best practices I've ever seen because it was. It wasn't hyperbolic. It's just, we don't see Mitch have practices like that. To your point, it's, it should happen more often, and it doesn't. Then he had the stupid mistake at the end, which I thought we you we got we had a great conversation. I thought about how much that mistake offsets the good he did earlier in the day. Um, and then this gets back into the weeds over like what was happening on the radio. Which, first of all, honest to God, it was all fun for me. I enjoyed it, but there were some comments made, not necessarily by by uh, Waddle or Dan Weeder, maybe some of the producers about reality and how some guys are living in it and some aren't. I think last week we were all just reporting what was happening. I really do. I think that's all all that was whatsoever. And I and I think it's a little unfair um, to start questioning some of the credibility of what's being written and said when you're not really paying attention to what's being written and said because that's all I heard there. Because we, honest to God, I do believe that every single reporter that was at House Hall last week was pretty much on the same page with the quarterback competition. There's a big difference between saying Mitch Trubisky was the much better quarterback in practice today and saying Mitch Trubisky deserves to win the starting job and is going to have a good year. <laughs> like there is, and I, I'm going, I know I'm going a little bit extreme in that um, comparison, but like when we, like when we come back, when I tweeted about, Trubisky's throw to Horstead being the best play of the day. I got so much. I got you guys see it too. It's it, it's polarized on both sides. I got the Trubisky stands being like, yes, that's my quarterback, and on the other side being like, 
nobody cares, it's practice, blah, blah. It happened. We saw it. He made a great throw to Jesper Horsett. It was the best throw of the day. It would be, you know, it, it would be wrong if, as reporters, we didn't note it and didn't write it, especially when neither of these guys has separated himself. But, but Hogue, to, to your point, when, when you were doing your quarterback meter, it's a day-by-day thing. You're judging these guys each day. You're not saying, hey, Trubisky's back. You know, this is the guy they drafted. It's just like right now in this practice, he looks better than Nick Foles. And, and I think that's perfectly fine to do that. And I understand that some people like to look more big picture. And I think the three of us have done that on this podcast a lot too, talking about what this all means, big picture. But folks want to know what goes on at practices. They can't be there. We get to be there. So we're doing our best to tell them. I think it's important to just do what the Bears are doing, right? Take this day by day and see how this goes. Again, I think some folks just want to be done with Trubisky because it fits their perceptions of him from, from the start. It's it's how they want this to play out. Like they want it to play out or Mitch fails. Right now he's not failing. He's not. He's, he's not throwing those three interceptions a, a day. He's not losing, for lack of a better way of putting it, to, to Nick Foles right now because Nick Foles is not winning this right now. And... I understand that uh, whether it's some media members or fans or whomever's not out there at practice, you know, just want this to conclude in, in an easy sense with with Mitch failing, but that's not happening right now. It, it's it's not. The, the completions are there. Some of the, the success is there. Is is he blowing things out of the water? No. Has he been exceptional every day? No. But he's still holding his own against Nick Foles, who again we're all waiting for to to do something. We're all we're all like wow. That hasn't happened. About the quarterback? Sure. If at the end of this, whenever they decide we're done evaluating, it's time to pick a starter, based solely on on field how they look, they are neck and neck, right? Who wins the job? I think I've that's... Gone, I've gone back and forth on this. This is actually a lot of the conversation they were having on Waddle and Sylvie is who wins the tiebreaker? And you know what? This is where I think you're allowed to differ in your opinions because none of us really know for sure. I think this is a good, healthy, fun, like sports talk radio conversation uh, as long as we're not dismissing the things that pretty much a handful of uh, people in the city are actually being able to watch, which the three of us are fortunate enough to be among those people who get to see it. I have thought and continue to maintain that Ty goes to Trubisky. I think that if you – getting back to what John said about how some people are just done with him. And by the way, that's another opinion you're 100% allowed to have. If you just don't think that Trubisky is cutting it and the Bears should move on, if that's your take, you're allowed to have that take. But that's not reality. Like, that's not what the Bears are doing. So we still need to cover what's happening. And what's happening is if the Bears wanted to do that or thought that same thing, they would have gone out and maybe they would have gotten Cam Newton or maybe they would have uh, you know, thrown everything at Tom Brady. That's not what they did. They brought in a guy who, over the course of the last decade, has probably been the best quarterback in the league at taking over midseason, mid-game, whatever, and doing some incredible things once he does so, which is an indication to me with the history he has with this coaching staff, that they are giving Trubisky one more chance to either pass or fail. And if he fails, they have the guy that they trust to put in there if and when that happens. And to me, if it's tight and it's close, it does not make sense to give it, you know, make that failing grade right away. You let it play out in the regular season a little bit, which is why I've always thought Trubisky will be the starter if it's close. I think the tiebreaker, I, I agree with you. It should go the, to Trubisky. I think where I'm torn is if we're just listening to Nagy, if you're just listening to Laser, if you're just listening to Flip, John DeFilippo, the Bears quarterback's coach, e- even listening to, to Dave Ragone because we've talked to him twice this month. If you're just reading between the lines or, or even just taking their exact words for what they're supposed to be, the tiebreaker maybe in Alice Hall goes to a Nick Foles just because of laser flip and maybe Nagy's readiness to 
pull the cord. Can I interject a quick question? Do Go. you think they that is some messaging that they want Mitch to think the tiebreaker goes to Foles? Yeah, Be- maybe. Because I, I think that's a storyline from this past week that – and we talked about this Thursday – the willingness to criticize Mitch, that has changed. Yes, yes. Last year was not the case. Last year there was a lot of praise. This year there's a lot of tough love this year. I think some fans uh, agree with that. You know, I don't know how much Mitch is even paying attention to that, but to, to see a coach light him up a little bit after he runs out of bounds on the goal line, like that's important to me. That's significant to me. That's going to be significant to the entire team. It's a good step in the in the right direction to 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 lighten the fire. We always talk about lighting the fire on on our Trubisky, right? To to get him going. It's what they want. They need to see it. Um, I don't know. I I think the tiebreaker should go to Trubisky because that means Nick Foles didn't exactly win it, right? Like he's done nothing to show me that he deserves to win this competition after a week's worth of practices. That's where I stand on like the evaluation of Nick Foles because everybody like to use the word reality that's the reality with Nick, with Nick Foles he's not impressive right now well i i think hog your logic is very sound in terms of maybe who tiebreaker should go to um but i i have also been swayed into the idea that tiebreaker is going to go to foles because these coaches the coaches know how each of these guys plays in game situations. And they know how each of them can handle different levels of adversity in game, what have you. And I just think that the trust factor and the familiarity factor is going to be enough for them to say, look, Mitch, you had your chance to grab this job. You didn't show us enough. We know what you're like in games and we're more comfortable the way Nick Foles is in games. So we're going to give it to Nick Foles. And I say that acknowledging that we have enough history to know the Nick Foles in his career has been very good in relief. We don't have that for Mitch Trubisky. We have no idea how Mitch Trubisky would handle being demoted to number two and what would happen if he had to come in. Because remember, when he was a rookie, he was he he moved up from the number. Remember when he was the number three quarterback? By the way, what a charade that was. But um, I digress. So I I, I I'm kind of and again, this is also how much should we listen to this stuff? As you said, Hogan, is this part of the plan here um the stuff that Nagy and laser say but when they talk about the timing of your footwork the anticipation of your throws making the right read all these things that they are watching that we don't see every one of those things is why they brought in nick Foles. and i just think if it's a dead even based on what they see physically that they're going to give it to the guy that they have more trust in yeah um and I, mean, it, it, I should say, sorry, no, I, I should say, I'm not saying that's what they should do. I'm just, I'm, I'm making this as a tie would go to Foles as a what I think they would do. But, and that's kind of the point here is like, we don't know. We're all, we're all just using the information we have, what we're seeing with our own eyes. And, and I guess taking a side in that issue, it, really, that's the question. Who does the tiebreaker go to? And then I guess you could say, who do you think should start? Where I think this is the, conversations is getting totally overboard is I, I like John says I think there are people that are just totally done with Mitch and that's fine but where I think it gets taken too far is there seems to be this thought that some people still believe like Trubisky is going to become a perennial all pro and live up to his draft pick at number two like I think I think we're all past that point right like nobody's really clinging on to that anymore there's a difference between there might be one or two people in Hallis Hall that are still clinging well, maybe. to that. But. Maybe, but I mean, my point is there's a difference between watching a practice that Mitch plays well in, reporting what you saw with your eyes, uh, saying, hey, he might be winning this quarterback competition. There's a big difference between that and for some reason that being taken into, oh, Still think Trubisky's gonna be a superstar? Like no one, I don't think anybody's there anymore. I think there are some people, and I, I'll put my, myself in the camp. I still believe there's a chance, not a very great chance, but a chance that he could be a quarterback you win with. That's not a high bar, though. That's I, and I think that's all the Bears are trying to decide right now. I think Matt Nagy is trying to decide: Can I trust this guy 
to win enough games with this talented defense I have and hopefully upgrades on offense. That's all this is about, I think. Well, for some people, it's it's almost per- this conversation almost becomes personal in in a sense, and you know that's that's the quarterback world though in Chicago. You know, Jay Cutler was the most polarizing athlete I've covered. Um, maybe maybe the most polarizing athlete in the Chicago history. You know, um, he seemed to change his narrative at the end. Definitely changes his narrative post career, but. Another quarterback controversy in Chicago. We're just living it. We're just covering it. I'm going to uh, try to say this, make this analogy while sticking to sports as much as possible. But I do get a sense that the anti-Mitch fan base is, wants Foles to be quarterback just because they can't stand Mitch as opposed to the fact that they really, really like Nick Foles. If you guys are picking up what I'm putting down. Essentially what you're saying is as I pick up what you're putting down, <laughs> that great. the anti-Mitch crowd isn't necessarily pro Foles. I think they're, they're anti-Mitch. Yeah, and like they they know that that Foles is would you know, if you're anti-Mitch, like you know Foles is going to be better. Like there is no question about that. But you're also one of those people who would have also who thought Cam Newton would have been even better. Teddy Bridgewater would have been even better. There are a lot of other options that would be even better than Nick Foles, but you're still content because you know Nick Foles is, puts the franchise, puts the state of the organization on much better footing. Again, this is if you're one of those anti-Trubisky people. That's just kind of something I might be, I might be seeing. Just throwing that out there. It's possible. Metaphors. I, I also find part of the what's ironic about I guess myself getting labeled pro Mitch is like I was the one banging the table saying Nick Foles was the quarterback they should acquire back when this was going on in the spring but just because but this for this situation not necessarily because he I don't he, he's not necessarily better than Trubisky I mean his career resume is but not necessarily to beat the Lions on September 13th, which is ultimately what this discussion's about right now. Um, all right. John, do you want to talk about some winners? Besides, if we can get off the quarterback conversation for a second. I do have a 10 Bears Things column up, NBCSportsChicago.com, with, uh, I'll call it nine and a half non-quarterback takeaways because one of mine about the defense actually veered into the quarterback somehow. You're obsessed with it. Yeah, I'm. I apologize. We all are. I we all are. I was trying to make a point about the how you judge the defense versus the offense, which is kind of what Kevin brought up earlier, and it kind of veered into how Mitch and Foles are looking against a good defense. But whatever, your winners so far at camp. My winners are well, the media for being able to be you know being able to be there, but other than us, um, it, it's the tight ends. I have a, a piece and an, an analysis, you should call it, up on The Athletic right now. So, again, you can read and listen while we talk about this. But uh, also my top five most impressive players so far. Like, I, I have Jimmy Graham, number one, and Cole Clement, number two. Like, okay, Cleo Mack's impressive. It's Cleo Mack. Akeem Hicks, when he was out there, he's impressive. It's Akeem Hicks. But, like, in terms of, like, walking out there and having – mild or really low expectations for certain guys like to see what the tight ends are doing that's significant like that's 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 a potential game changer for the offense like Jimmy Graham looks great Cole Clement pretty darn good this is not only his receivers but you know this is a ripple effect you know this this affects the run game this affects Tariq Cohen and him being an adjuster like there's so many levels to having better tight ends in this roster right now and they've been good well, uh, I do have a follow-up on that tight end point, uh, but in the interest of being disciplined, I'm going to take a quick break here to talk about our friends at Fubo TV. We've been talking about this for a couple weeks now, and uh, just want to update you on, on some of the info that you have uh, that you can get on subscribing to Fubo.tv. Uh, you can push for the family plan where three people can be watching all at the same time on different devices or the standard base plan of getting two screens at once. You can get 15% off in your first month. There's 30 hours of free DVR. You get your local broadcast. And look, we all know it's 
could be kind of tough times right now during this COVID-19 pandemic. So you could save money on this too. $50 is more affordable than a lot of other cable providers. And hey, NBC Sports is on there too, Adam, right? It is. And with the NFL season around the corner, Fubo.tv will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to Fubotv.com slash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's Fubotv.com slash athletic. Start your first month today. And how's that summer bod going? Are you uh, you're going into fall mode yet? We are. The yeah. dad bod is coming back, my friend. But it's okay. Okay, you know, we're we're dad. It's okay. Well, co- speaking of coming back, fantasy football draft season is upon us. Due to quarantine, it's very possible that you might have Zeke's haircut in your pants. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving the same way you like to gamble on football. Adam, when was the last time I can't even get through this question? When was the last time you shaved your balls? That that's a personal question. <laughs> I do know the last time I did it, I used the uh the Manscaped product. The lawnmower 3.0 because it's the fantastic best hygiene tool for your modern man. It, it is. It's uh, waterproof. It has an LED light on it. It's simply a game changer, guys. Uh, and they just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. So make sure you want to check that out. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code THEATHLETIC20. It's time to boost your hygiene with the absolute besties with Manscaped. I had a much shorter note on the tight ends of my 10 Bears things. Kevin, get your thought on this. I, I think not only is it just a matter of Jimmy Graham looking good, but Cole Komet looks the part. Uh, Demetrius Harris has been more noticeable than I thought he would be. He looks like, and I guess it's not a high bar, but a, a much more useful Deion Sims, if that makes sense. Like, Sims came in here to be a blocker. Harris looks like a legitimate threat in the red zone pass catching, in my opinion. Everyone, And then every once in a while, uh, Eric Salbert or... Jesper Horstead's making a great catch. I mean, there's a legitimate... I mean, I guess the point is, not only is it just what the tight ends are doing, but what I focused on in my 10 Bears things is just pointing out like how involved they all are. Like, If there's one thing that I think this offense is going to look very different, it's going to be the usage of the tight ends. Yeah, and, and you guys, again, our listeners know we can't go too deep into personnel, but just... You can get a sense of what we're seeing by how often we are writing about Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet and Demetrius Harris and even Eric Saubert, who I, I also think has looked pretty pretty good. I'll say this. I, I would go close to guaranteeing that Demetrius Harris has more receiving yards this season than any Bears tight end did in 2019. Wow. All he has yeah. to do is get 92. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And I think he can do it. And look, J.P. Holtz is still going to be part of this team in terms of being a, an H-back, a special teams guy. So he's there too. But, you know, I, I, I think if if Matt Nagy wants to finally use the tight ends the way he has always envisioned since he got here, uh, based on what we saw the first week camp, he seems to have the, the horses to do it. In my, my piece on, on the, the tight ends, I, I compared it to – just in terms of like what they were bringing the tight ends in terms of bravado and maybe some nastiness, uh, the the energy, the the swagger. Everybody always uses that word. Like I compared it to to when the Bears had Martellus Bennett, Brandon Marshall, and Alshon Jeffrey, and they just attacked that defense. And that defense still had Charles Tillman. That defense still had Tim Jennings. You still had Chris Connie. Major Wright, the entire starting secondary was still there. Lance Briggs was still on that team. So that that was an established defense, and they attacked it differently. Some nastiness, some bravado, and there was a lot of yelling. I mean, there was a lot of energy. But this this feels different because you don't have the baggage 
that Martellus Bennett had off the field. You don't have all the the problems that Mar- that Brandon Marshall caused later. Like this, this feels like you can feel really good about what's coming from these tight ends. To me, to me, it's tangible. I, I don't know if that's a bad comparison, but that's how I, I would like. It, I liken it to that just because of the way they're attacking this established Bears defense right now with Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, and Demetrius Harris. Well, and I think it's important to point out the trickle-down effect, too, especially when it comes to the running game. And you provided in your piece the, the most tangible example, which is Tariq Cohen. Everyone says, what happened to Tariq Cohen last year? Well, I thought it was pretty obvious, and we talked about it a lot on this podcast. They didn't have a tight end. You, you just And you did it in what you wrote, but you go back to the Eagles playoff game and – the biggest problem with Trey Burton being out of that game was how they shifted their attention to Tariq Cohen and took him completely out of the game. And then that happened pretty much all of 2019. That was the blueprint. So if you can get Jimmy Graham out there, Cole Komet, one of those guys to be that adjuster that Trey Burton kind of was in 2018, and I think there's reason to think he could be that person can be even better than what Trey Burton was in 2018. Um that should unlock Tariq Cohen. And from a blocking standpoint, too, I think whether it's blocking or matchup standpoint, the uses the use of these tight ends in the offense should help the running game, whether it's Tariq Cohen, whether it's David Montgomery, whether it's even Cordell Patterson, uh, which apparently is still a thing. I think, Johns, you were asked this in our live chat about um, the Cole Komet excitement versus Adam Shaheen. And I think we could all agree that Cole Komet looks smooth when he's out there. And, and, and Shaheen just, he had his moments. Usually they were in like May and June. And then if he ever went to Cincinnati for a game. Um, but, but Komet looks... <laughs> he got hurt in that game too. He did. Uh, Komet looks smooth. He, he just looks the party. No, seems to know what he's doing. He doesn't fall every time he catches the football. Uh, I do think there's a difference. And I think, and again, not to hammer on Shaheen here, but I imagine that so much of what we thought this offense could look like in terms of using two tight ends was because they were banking on Adam Shaheen the last two years. In both years, he could not stay healthy. And and this year, now we're seeing with with Komet and Demetrius Harris, you have multiple options of guys who should be more productive and more effective than he was. To use the word reality again, so Trey Burton has his breakout year in 2018. Jimmy Graham still had one more catch and like 70 yards more receiving that year in a down year for him than Trey Burton's breakout year. Am I making sense? Like, So just in terms of what to expect from a Jimmy Graham, even at 33 years old, it's that and a little bit better than what Trey Burton did in 2018. And then, yes, you add in Cole Komet. So significant upgrade for me. For the Bears, I think everybody should see it. Like The reality is that the Bears' tight ends are vastly better than they were last year. Everybody should be in agreement with this. It's so obvious. Well, the other reason it's important, guys, is we haven't seen Anthony Miller yet in full team drills. Are you worried about that, by the way? Because that's one of the things I brought up my Tim Bears things. You know, I was watching him a little bit in some of the individuals on Saturday, and I remember thinking he looked fine and then hopeful that he would then partake in the scrimmage, and he didn't. So I, I, this this is going to be, I think, a crucial week for guys like him and Jalen Johnson, right? Because if they can't get going this week before the off day on Sunday, then you really wonder, are we really going to only see one week of these guys at full go before they play? But, I mean, when Nagy was asked about Anthony Miller, he didn't really have an explanation for why he hasn't been out there. And he said, oh, he, he's fine. Yeah, I, I don't know. But that I, I think that's why these tight ends are even more important because you, you don't have Miller right now. And I think Ted Ginn and, and Darnell Mooney have looked pretty good. And we'll get to that in more of John's you know, five most impressive guys. Um, haven't seen a ton from Riley Ridley. Javon Williams has been fine. But... This does not look right now. This does not look like a team that's going to want to be in eleven personnel very often. It doesn't look like they're. I think you would rather them have two tight ends than three wide receivers. Yeah, they're going to get heavy. They're going to bring out their big boys and, and use their matchups. It's pretty apparent to me. Again, should help the run game too. More options. A lot of a lot of different things you could do out of twelve personnel now. 
Well, and then just one quick note on Anthony Miller again. I mean, you bring up Mooney. I, I find it fascinating that the way they talk about Mooney is how detailed he is, how he knows the playbook. Matt Nagy said he reminds him of Allen Robinson in the meetings. Could there be a bigger compliment we've heard from Matt Nagy so far in all of camp than Darnell Mooney reminds him of Allen Robinson in the meetings? That is not the type of things they say about Anthony Miller when they talk about the details and needing to focus on the details. I just find that very, very interesting because I still think Miller's talented as hell. But it's the same thing with the quarterbacks here. You got to earn the trust of the coaching staff if you want to play. Yeah, yeah. Mooney seems to be doing that. He's on the field a lot with Foles and Trubisky. Like, he's part of the quarterback evaluation. A rookie, a fifth-round pick is... Look, you know Nagy wants an injection of speed. That's why Patterson was acquired last year. That's why Ted Ginn Jr. was signed after they drafted Darnell Mooney, right? That's how it played out. Like, they need speed. They want speed. It's always good to have speed in the NFL. I describe Mooney as, so he's like Taylor Gabriel, but better with the ball in his hands. So just more shake there. There's more elusiveness than than Taylor Gabriel had. Like, as fast as Gabriel was, Mooney is just a better, more threatening ball carrier. Does that make sense? I think I think his first step is what's really noticeable. That he accelerates. Like Gabriel, you knew could get downfield and get behind guys, but the first step that Mooney shows when he gets the ball in his hands, yeah, I, I liken to the you know the the cliche shot out of a cannon. Like he just goes once that ball's there, and yeah. I think that there's a there is a difference there from what we've seen, what we saw from Gabriel. There's an explosiveness there, like a different set of explosiveness that Gabriel didn't seem to have, and we saw him be used a lot in a lot of quick screens, and that's definitely going to be a role for Mooney, I think, going forward. All right, anything else you want to sneak in here before we get out of here? What did you guys think of uh, Khalil Mack on the peloton? Or, excuse me, Hogue, what did you think of Khalil Mack on the Peloton? Because Johns was on the 16th, you know, 16th fairway. Was that Saturday, too? Oh, man. It was like 5 o'clock on Saturday. You know what? I know. I got to go Team Johns on this one because I had checked out by then, too. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you think of Khalil Mack? Here's here? what I'll say about this. I find it funny that the Bears – like social media bears great social media staff i'm not trying to denigrate anybody there but they were promoting this whole idea of how cool it was that cleo mack was on his peloton talking to the media they failed to mention not that they would that cleo mack had to do that because he forgot he was supposed to do media for the first time in eight months he hasn't talked to us since december 22nd and the reason he was doing it on peloton was because he just he, he kind of spaced it they were supposed to do it from Hallis, but this, because of that, with that as context, this is not somebody who would ever do this for show. It's not like a J.J. Watt thing. Like, look at how hard I'm working. Like, I, this is like Khalil Mack legitimately was doing a Peloton ride, and they're like, hey, we need you to do media. And he goes, fine, I'll Zoom while I Peloton. He, was, he does not care that it was, everyone was like, wow, it's so cool. He's like, work out. No, that's not how he is. I think he just legitimately was multitasking. And frankly, I hope... He does more of his zooms from Peloton. It was, it was a fun 12 minutes with uh, 52, and hopefully he's uh, you know uh, amenable to talking to us a little bit more this year. If I was a member of the Bears social media crew, I would have been like, ooh, Peloton? Maybe we'll get Pelotons out of this. You know, Maybe a little advertising, maybe a freebie for the living room or for the basement. Tweet it. Well, I mean... Uh Kevin, have you have you been on any Peloton rides with Khalil Mack in the last forty eight hours? I, I I I was thinking about asking him, you know, who his favorite instructors are, maybe what's his username. Um, I did think that again, since we hadn't talked to him in eight months, <laughs> that we had some other more important football <laughs> things to get at with the best player on the entire team who didn't talk to us for eight months. But uh, next time, maybe next week, uh, we'll get into that. Because I'd be curious, what's his, what's his Peloton strategy? It didn't look like he was doing a, a class because he was, you know, that, that'd be hard to do a class at the same time as talking to us. The man's got his own class. I was going to say, if he teaches a class, I'll do that. He might. Otherwise, I'm not going to compete against him. Cause... What's eight months from now? April, 20, April 24th? 
uh, yeah, the, the the NFL the NFL draft. I'm confident we'll hear from him before then. Hope so. You are. I, I am. I I I'm willing to. I, I would I would put a wager on that. We will hear from him before uh, before April 24th. Yeah. I, I know fans, and I think the I know I know fans don't care about this stuff, but people were so like people got into some of the things he was saying. I know because he's not bad when he talks. He just doesn't. He just look. He's a really good football player. He doesn't like talking to the media. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Jimmy Graham's the same way. Jimmy Graham has been outstanding with us when he's talked. But th- he went through the same thing with the Packers last year, right? Didn't he go? He on, did, yeah. He, didn't he get fined eventually? I believe so. I, and, I, and I know that fans all, all look, and understandably, all that matters is how these guys play on the field. But I do think if you're a fan of the Bears, you want to hear from your best player. I think you would. You, you enjoy, and and Khalil Max makes it worth your while when he talks. It's enjoyable. Um, so you know, hopefully we'll we'll keep getting that. But I, I I I thought it was I thought it was great. He was on his Peloton. He didn't miss a beat, and he gave us some really good intel about. Uh, look, he said he said I can't wait eleven times. 12 minutes. So this is a man on a mission. That's for sure. All right. Well, I can't wait for football to start either. I'm looking forward to it. Frankly, I didn't think we'd be here. So here we are. And uh, there's a, while we were recording, a bunch of really, really impressive numbers came out. I think it's a 0.46 positivity rate on the tests. Very encouraging, I have to say. Very, very encouraging. I think it becomes a bigger test once the regular season starts and guys aren't so locked into camp every day. But um, it's good. So all we can do is break it down. Yes. The numbers have been good. And even before we go here, I would say even having that testing scare could end up being immensely beneficial. It gives you a, a run through the protocols just in case. A fire drill. As Dion Miller from ABC, ABC Seven Chicago called it. Yeah, it was kind of that way, and I know the Bears were really worried there for a second that they, you know, protocol had broken down, but it turned out it didn't, and they at least got to go through it all. So, um, hopefully that does not happen in the regular season, but if it does, I guess the Bears can say they're prepared now at this point. Uh, we need to get out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H O G E, at Adam Johns, J A H N S, at K Fishbane on Twitter. Kev, we going to hear from you soon or not? Do we know? I'll, I'll, plan know. To, I'll see you guys at practice Tuesday. I, I, don't, I do not have a, a tea time Tuesday, so I will be there. Okay. Johns, tea time Tuesday? Jesus. Can I come? I'll come uh, play. Ele- I'll come play eleven holes. Oh, that is your thing, eleven holes. I would be so mad if I was golfing with you. and You just left after eleven holes, like never again. Never the guy I was golfing again. with left after eleven holes, so I went. I went as well. I would have finished for sure. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue. Did I already do that part? I think I did. Read us NBC. Read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Those guys on the Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you should be subscribed. Do it. Please rate rate and review the podcast. Say hello to Carlos Santos. Talk to you later. No, we're going to finish out the rest of this week. Adam.